Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of CCT Live, uh, coming to you every Thursday at 9 a.m. Except for last Thursday, we took Thanksgiving off to fatten up on turkey and pie, but we're back. Um, I'm news editor Patrick Cassidy. I'm with reporter Marianne Bragg. Um, Marianne covers the towns of uh, Truro, Wellfleet, East Ham, as well as the endangered North Atlantic right whales, Cape Cod National Seashore, plenty of other stuff. Um, you've also taken on uh, the Sunday editing shift, so if you got any hot tips for Marianne, please feel free to give her a call then or anytime, really. Um, you have a couple big stories uh, this week that we'll talk about, including a shift uh, in plans for an abandoned air, well, not really abandoned, but an Air Force base, an old Air Force base in Tro, and some concerns about a planned extension of the Cape Cod Rail Trail in Wellfleet uh, that you wrote about for today's paper. Um, we'll talk about it both, but focus on the second one for our big story of the week. Uh, we'll also talk about another section of the rail trail in Yarmouth that some folks aren't, are thrilled with, actually. Um, uh, but at least one neighbor has said it has increased uh, noise in, on her property. And we'll take another look at a, a story in today's paper about a decision by Orleans officials to nix a surfing school at Nauset Beach. We'll then take a look ahead and a story uh, scheduled uh, for tomorrow's paper um, and, and that's the reaction to plans for a new police station in Provincetown. And actually, among the other stories, we'll talk about uh, a milestone for a local uh, group who rescues yep. uh, dolphins and other marine uh, animals. Uh, you can take a look back at our past episodes and follow along at home by uh, going to our Facebook, Twitter, all our social media, or just to the plain old website, capecottimes.com. Um, Marianne, tell us about this old uh, military site in Truro and uh, what... There was a vision for it, and then there's reality. What's what's going on out there? Right. If um, if you're at all familiar, um, it's all the way up in North Truro, and way back, even starting right around World World War II, uh, a military installation went in right on the coast, o- overlooking the Atlantic, right on the bluff, and it basically grew. I think even to the se- 60s and 70s, to a really thriving Air Force radar station. Uh, Ultimately, though, that all ended and the place was abandoned by 1984. The Cape Cod National Seashore uh, took hold of it by 1993 or so, 94. And they went through a, a pretty lengthy process to come up with a what would be a kind of a cultural center that's based on the Outer Cape with art, science, education. So that vision actually never happened. But the whole point of the story that came out this week is that um, they're putting up actually a brand new fence around a lot of the abandoned buildings that have asbestos problems and pesticide contamination. And um, as uh, we were out walking around taking photographs, it really just this brand new fence really con- was a contrast with the bleak landscape um, that's up there right now. And so there was an open People have often talked about housing being on that property, and the seashore never seems to be that friendly to the idea, but a new superintendent has at least opened the door to that idea for seasonal housing, he said, 
as yeah. a possibility. And this is Superintendent uh, Brian Carlstrom, who just got on the job uh, about a year ago. Um, and uh, again, he said that's something he'd be open to talking about. Towns of Truro and Provincetown, as you point out in the story, had, have for the last couple of years brought that up. Um, and as you said, you do a great job of describing the kind of decay and the empty barracks and the oh uh, gosh, overgrown really... <laughs> basketball court. Steve Heslip, our photographer, was yeah. out there taking photos and had you know a great photo on the front page that showed the inside of one of these buildings looking out through the windows on that kind of shiny new uh, chain link fence, which you'd think is, isn't that much. A, it's, it's a bit since it costs $240,000 to put in. Yeah. Um, but it's also something that I know uh, the uh, uh, director of the um, uh, Payomet uh, Performing Arts Center, which is the one uh, basically nonprofit mm-hmm. who did go into that space and has their tent there. And uh, I've been to shows up there. I'm sure some of our uh, watchers have been to shows up there. It's a, it's a nice venue and it's, it's, you know, in this kind of interesting area, but it's almost interesting because it's kind of decaying in some ways. Um, uh, So when you go to that event, you can kind of walk out to the bluff and you can see some of the stuff that Mm -hmm. you describe in the story and that Steve took photos of. Um, But they, other than that, there's really only a few kind of governmental things going on there. Not the Highlands center as they, as they build it back in the early 2000s. Yeah. That was the idea of this Highland center. There were 12 independent nonprofits that, that had raised their hand basically in the, around 2002 to, to be part of it. But um, one of the people who was ended up not being part of it, they had just talked about how they're, you know, overall that vision might actually never have been possible. Yeah. Just the links they, they didn't see in place there and the amount of work that really had to mm-hmm. go into some of these buildings, asbestos, they, the seashore has torn down a couple of them. And, and uh, I think is uh, again, w- there'd have to be a lot of work done to yeah. some of these buildings, which Utilities, again, the, all yeah. that. And the Payomet center is a tent. So it's, right. it's not like you're, right. you're dealing with the actual building. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Again, Kevin Rice from the Payomet center said, uh, I think at the end of your story, it's kind of in its own crazy way. The fence is progress. <laughs> Again, it doesn't look like much, but he said just kind of encircling the area and and kind of you know having something done. When he uh, said landscaping, I'm like, okay, yeah, bye. yeah, some, yeah, again, <laughs> cutting some of the brush around the fence, I think, is what they're doing, and and also you you control the area a little bit more. You know, if there's vandalism or something mm-hmm. that you're worried about or somebody getting into it and you can control that, you're not supposed to be on the property unless you're going to a payomet show or it's a tour, really, that you're doing. I don't think that, you know, they've been really, you know, stopping people necessarily from mm-hmm. visiting the area. But this fence uh, at least puts some parameters around what's there. It'll be interesting to see if the housing, certainly a big need on the Cape for housing. Yeah. Um uh, another story, uh, again, that was in uh, the paper the other day, a story in today's paper, uh, looking down the coast a little bit at Orleans, um, there have been uh, surf lessons that have taken place uh, off the uh, Nauset Beach and a little south of uh, the patrolled area. And that's what uh, selectmen uh, took up uh, recently and decided uh, at their November 14th meeting that they weren't going to kind of issue this RFP for, for the request for proposals for surf uh, schools uh, to, to uh, take part there. Interestingly enough, uh, as a reporter, Ethan Genter noted, during that meeting, they didn't mention, I, I guess, <laughs> that was interesting. It, it, the elephant in the room, we'll call it the shark in the room. It, they didn't mention the word shark during that meeting. Um, but it, it, he followed up with some officials and they, they did say that's you know part of it. Um, that was one of the, the reasons that they uh, said that they didn't want uh, this surf school, at least, uh, you know, again, a condoned, uh, you know, uh, official surf school that, that has gone through the town process. And you can 
imagine they're worried about liability. It's not in an area where there are uh, there's a officially lifeguards patrolling. It is just south of that area. So mm-hmm. I mean, the idea that the lifeguards couldn't get there uh, it seems uh, I've, I've been off the the shore there and seen the surf school and then seen the lifeguarded area. Um, you know, you imagine they could get there, but by condoning it, they may be putting the town into some sort of uh, situation where they could be liable if something happened with a shark. Presumably that would, you know, could be the, the case if they had something else happen, but obviously sharks are the big news um, recently. And in other towns, I know, again, you cover Wellfleet and uh, Truro, Marion. I think uh, uh, the town of Wellfleet uh, said they've been doing it uh, for a while and, and uh, companies need to get official approval there to, to go forward with these kind of surf schools. Um, and they said, we're really looking to educate people. Both Orleans and Wellfleet, uh, in talking to Ethan, it said they're they're working on cell phone coverage on these kinds of mm-hmm. uh, uh, pieces of this puzzle of how to respond to uh, what was a fatal shark attack uh, in September, another uh, shark attack in August uh, where the man survived. And you've written uh, about that. Our reporter Doug Frazier has been writing yep. about that in terms of how do you deal with uh, making it as safe as possible. Um, and there are people who said you can never make it completely safe. The sharks are in the water. Um, and, and people have to be aware of that and, and try and, uh, uh, you know, be careful. I think Nate Sears, uh, from the Orleans, uh, uh, natural resources department, um, said, uh, the quote was they are in a depth of water that we do not promote people going in during a certain time of year. Now, again, I don't like to swim in the winter, but when you read that, you can kind of read between the lines that that certain time of year is the time of year when sharks are in the area because they don't uh, encourage people to swing, swim very far out yeah. during uh, certain times of the year. So uh, for right now, uh, if you're going to go out surfing on uh, Nauset or near Nauset, uh, you're not going to be doing it in an officially condoned surf school. So uh, we'll continue to see effects, I'm sure, of the uh, shark issues. Another animal swimming out there, but one that people feel is uh, more benign than, say, a shark, are the dolphins. And right. you have a, uh, or we, you've been covering this group for a long time. Um, they've been around for a long time. The group that goes out and rescues dolphins when they become stranded, uh, other marine mammals. Uh, what happened this week? Well, let's see. This so the International Fund for Animal Welfare. They have a rescue group that's. Um, been around since 1998, so they're in their 20th um, year. But this week, they also hit an important milestone for them, and they rescued or responded to their 5,000th, right? 5,000th, that's amazing. <laughs> um, dolphin, or actually marine mammal, stranded uh, on our coastline. And um, they actually started the year with 4,300, no, right, 4,300. Okay, under their belt. Yeah. So they went through 300 this until now. And so as of um, Tuesday, they hit their 5,000th rescue. And these were four uh, short beaked common dolphins. They were reported by a fisherman in Wellfleet. Uh, It was really low tide at about 7 30 in the morning. They went there, they evaluated them. Um, and <clears throat> they were all pretty healthy. They ended up um, taking them by what they have is kind of like a rolling hospital slash trailer, took them to Scusset Beach and Sandwich and released them. And one one of the dolphins, they put a satellite tag on and they ended up about a couple of hours later getting some kind of ping that said that that one was in off of 
Plymouth. So 13, they felt, 13 miles north. That okay. thing traveled pretty fast. <laughs> that was off Plymouth. You're yeah. right. But 13 miles, uh, again, gives you a sense of how it was two hours after it was released, how fast <laughs> these uh, animals can move. Um, I thought it was interesting. You mentioned the rolling hospital. You mentioned yeah. the, the tag. You can imagine 20 years ago when they first started this, and it had a different name back then. It was the uh, uh, Cape Cod Stranding Cape Network. Cod Stranding Network. Yeah. And that was, that was in maybe five six years, I'm guessing, but five, six years ago where they changed it to the mm-hmm. animal, uh, to the Marine Mammal Rescue and, and Research Team, um, <laughs> which does kind of give you a, a sense, that, you know, it's not just rescue, it's also research the tags they use to make sure the animals are healthy as they swim away, but also to kind of follow them and see where they're going and see what their behaviors are. Um, and, and then the tags will uh, basically, they say they'll rust off eventually yeah. uh, and, and they'll stop working because of the battery. But you can imagine 20 years ago, that rolling hospital you mentioned that has an ultrasound machine, an electrocardiogram, intravenous equipment, and the ability to measure hearing loss. I almost wish this thing would show up when I need it if I'm having any trouble because it seems like they're prepared for quite a bit. Um, and 20 years ago, it pro- they didn't have any of that. I mean, they're they're always innovating with this group, and, and, and it doesn't always end, uh, you know, the way it did here. This was kind of the ideal for them yeah, in terms absolutely. of uh, four healthy ones. Exa- they were able to release them six, all four successfully. So sometimes it doesn't quite work out that way. Exactly. And, and we, you know, we, we uh, respond, if you will, to a lot of these ourselves, but it is also interesting. Three, 300 uh, this year. I mean, we've, we've responded and reported on a number of those, but Not certainly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do a lot of work that kind of yeah. goes below the radar a bit. And and again, when they're when they have to euthanize these animals, uh, they're doing it because they've decided that at that point, that if they release the animal, it's not going to survive, and it would be more of a lingering death than than something that would be uh, good for the animal or or good for it uh, to go through. So uh, again, twentieth uh, year, uh, we may learn more about that later. But this five thousandth uh, animal response uh, by them was a milestone, and they were yeah. happy to to uh, talk about that. Um, so now, you know, this is, uh, I'm saying the big story, and, and part of it is because we had two stories in today's paper about mm-hmm. uh, the rail trail, the Cape Cod Rail Trail, which is a very popular, uh, um, it's actually a park, uh, as you've pointed out yeah. recently, which is interesting, kind of a long park, if you will. Um, and, and your story, and, and then a story by Kristen Young, talked about, um, you know, s- some of the people who are very excited about some of the extensions of the rail trail. It's been talked about extending it in different areas for a long time. And then some people who aren't exactly thrilled with the direction it's going in. And, and they, their caveat is they're not, again, necessarily against the right. extensions. It's just how it's being done. Right. So at least on the Wellfleet end right now, it's the 22-mile rail trail. Um, it ends in South Wellfleet and has ended there for many years. But there's been a recent effort to extend it Ultimately, they want to extend it to Provincetown, so like 20 miles north, but they're doing it incrementally based on funding. So the next step is a two-mile extension from LeCount Hollow Road in South Wellfleet up uh, through an old railroad bed to Route 6, roughly uh, kind of just a little bit south of the traffic light at Main Street. But this really, the design was announced um, in October then people had a chance to write in their public comments. Uh, when I looked at those, there were about 85 people who had responded, maybe a third of them with Wellfleet addresses. There, it, it was primarily among the Wellfleet commenters that <clears throat> where people really were expressing concerns 
basically because they're worried about, you know, rail trails, sudden, their old railroad bed that they're accustomed to now suddenly being filled with bicyclists, pedestrians. So they, they have all the kind of concerns that you might have if suddenly you know that a bunch of people are going to be If you build it, they will backyard. come, basically, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. the field of dreams there. So, um, so those are the concerns. It's noise. It might be um, people being dumped out right onto Route 6, bicyclists, I mean, right at this term at the end of the trail that they're planning. Um, there are people are worried about trees, about natural you know, landscaping being cut. So it's kind of like what is going to happen. People you know, naturally are worried about what's going to happen in their backyard. backyard. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. Some of these people, you may, you may not expect necessarily um, a bicycle shop owner who, oh, yeah. the, oh, the, where story. his property is <laughs> right there. And he was the one, he and his wife talking about how like being concerned about people being dumped out under Route 6 at the end there because mm -hmm. his properties in this kind of triangle where you have Route 6, very busy in that area, especially during bed. the summer. And then you have the railroad bed on the other side of <laughs> yeah. his property. So the bike trail would come down and put people right on Route 6 there. And he and his wife um, were really suggesting another route might be more feasible. Obviously, their property would be affected. They also took the stance that safety-wise, it would be a better move to, to look at this other route, which is, I guess, why you take these public comments. Oftentimes, though, you know, the state, local government has a plan it's kind of hard to turn that ship. Yeah. So we'll see how, how much they, they, how much traction they get. I did ask the state for a response, like how are they incorporating these comments into the plan? And they didn't, they weren't able to get back to me yes, yesterday. So I'm hoping to get some answers um, today or the next couple of days. Yeah, exactly. So. And, and so that's, it, it, it is interesting when you look at the kind of large picture too, you were talking about how they're hoping to extend that to province now. Mm -hmm. Now, technically they say the rail trail includes uh, pieces that are on roadways, but the idea is always to get people off the roads mm -hmm. and so you don't have bikes and, and uh, uh, cars mixing, um, and, but to extend the actual rail trail. And I know the province lands uh, trail is up there as well, mm -hmm. and connecting it into that yeah. uh, is what their yeah, hope is. Yeah, a very big master plan. Exactly, and in the other direction, the hope is to get it to, uh, at, at least at first, connected to here in Hyannis, um, coming down from Wellfleet through the Lower Cape, uh, through it gets to you know Dennis and just recently uh, they opened up quietly in some respects another section that goes across the Bass River and it goes over this bridge mm -hmm. at the Bass River which if you're driving on Route 6 and you cross the Bass River you'll see it off to the right it was for a long time just kind of this empty space um, after they had taken out the old railroad bridge where people would go and fish they you know go down there to the water from from uh route six or the neighborhoods in that area um they've now put in this very nice looking bridge and you can now bike across it uh, for a while they had it closed off and people were you know going in anyway and they finally decided that it was safe enough for the public to use for the time being they're going to have a big ceremony um in the spring to kind of officially open it up uh, the bridge is going to be named for George Allaire, former Yarmouth uh, Department of Public Works director uh, who, who died. But, you know, one of the things he really pushed was this extension. Mm -hmm. And again, that extension would then get it closer into Yarmouth, would get it into Yarmouth, and then closer to this idea of connecting to Hyannis. The idea is you could potentially take a train, for example, from Boston with your bike, get to Hyannis, get on your bike, mm -hmm. start bicycling. Maybe you could end up in Provincetown at the end of that trip mm -hmm. uh, eventually. Or you could stop at two campgrounds. You and there are two Nickerson campgrounds. Yeah, in Brewster, and then ultimately what'll be what used to be Payne's campground in in Wellfleet that the state has just 
purchased this year. So, And you can see them, again, with those moves yeah. making it a more robust mm-hmm. uh, uh, park and a more uh, you know interconnected area. Um, and you can also understand that some people who, again, had this quiet uh, dirt you know uh, path behind their house may be a little worried about the yeah. amount of people who would be going through. Uh, there was a woman in Yarmouth. Uh, who was uh, also worried about the effect of that bridge over the Bass River going in, right? Right. And she was worried um, that, not worried, she says it has happened. She's saying that. This is with it built. Exactly. Now that it's been built. And and she says that, and one of the other corollary uh, uh, benefits that they saw in, in working on that bridge was they were able to widen it. And the idea was with everybody talking about wastewater and water flow, that constriction of these areas really does affect the areas upstream in terms of the amount of flushing that occurs mm-hmm. and the nutrient levels. And by widening it, it was one of those areas where they oh. could make it wider. They could increase that flow. At the same time, they, they put rocks down around it and made these banks to, to make sure it didn't erode. She says that the previous uh, railroad bridge that was there, there was vegetation. That vegetation and the way it was set up with the banks kind of buffered a little bit the sound from Route 6 getting to her property in Yarmouth. So she, with the new setup, wider, uh, um, you know, for the river, good for, you know, nutrient levels and things upstream. She says that without the vegetation there now, those sounds from Route 6 are really very, uh, she can hear them quite well now. And she's hoping that the state comes in and uh, addresses that by putting in more plantings the state, you know, uh, who uh, did get back, I think, late uh, last night to Kristen Young, who was reporting on this story. That's um, where they were. <laughs> exactly. They were calling her instead. <laughs> they, they, the Department of Conservation and Recreation, who will uh, take over the, the stretch of rail trail there from the Department of Transportation, I believe, eventually says that once they do, they may assess the need for more plantings. And she had said she didn't get a very, you know, positive uh, uh, or much of a response from the Department of Transportation or the uh, Department of Conservation and Recreation when she had asked that question. And even their response to us was was kind of, we may uh, assess the need mm-hmm. for more plantings. Um, again, certainly she and maybe others in her neighborhood are feeling these effects. There are other people, bike shop owners, uh, bicyclists, who are very excited about the idea that this uh, extends the rail trail, gets more people off the roads, uh, mm-hmm. is what they're hoping, onto bikes that's healthy. And, and they say, what what's bad about going out on a bike ride? I mean, obviously, there are effects with the infrastructure, but yeah. Um, but we'll see. Again, I'm. I'm. I'd be interested. It's. It's almost like a postcard when you're driving down Route Six and you see that bridge off to the right with people bicycling along, and you can imagine uh, the Chamber of Commerce being very excited about the potential there. Um, okay, so we'll keep following those stories as sure. they develop. Um, looking ahead, uh, we have a story uh, coming up uh, again by Ethan Genter, who wrote about the, the uh, Nosset Beach issue, uh, looking at um, a proposed new Provincetown police station. It, it was, there was a certain amount of money allocated for this police station. Uh, they've now come back with a new estimate, which is 50% more. I think it was 8 million. Now it's 12 million. And they came back with a design and people looked at that design. They looked at the cost and they said, wait a second, this isn't what we're hoping for. These are some, you know, uh, residents and people who were not thrilled with, with th- those outcomes. So he takes a look at that and we'll have uh, some images and, and uh, graphics to go with that story, uh, likely running in tomorrow's newspaper. So look forward to that. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you again, Marianne, for being here and sharing all your stories with our readers. Please tell your friends, share the link. Uh, feel free to reach out to Marianne 
in on Sundays. You can get her now at the at the office, uh, um, or anytime uh, via emails that are all available online at CapeCodTimes.com. Uh, Cape Cod Times, where where news starts on Cape Cod. Until next week, uh, have a good morning and good luck. Bye. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.